I'm so thankful to be in a place where the Spirit of the Lord moves, where God is touching. I love watching children pray, young adults pray, older adults pray, even seniors pray. That's all right. I'll be there soon enough. I'm thankful that we can come and lift our hands and our voice to the King today. And I'm thankful for what God's going to speak in His Word. Let's give the Lord a shout and a hand clap as Brother Elijah comes this morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be very long today. Um, matter of fact, I know I'm not going to be very long today. Um, I know that God's been moving in this service already, and I know that God spoke a word to me because uh, my pastor asked me like Tuesday, I believe, if I could preach, and, and God spoke two very different words into my heart, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just follow this one a little bit, see where it goes, follow this one a little bit, see where it goes, and I was really liking one of them, and then Wednesday night, Wendell got up and preached um, like my opening verse, and I was like, okay. I was like, maybe he'll start it, and I'll finish it, and then he just preached the whole thing, so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with the other one that you spoke, but it's funny how God does things. Whenever you start, you know, really seeking his face and stuff, then he'll, he'll speak to you what he's wanting. You can just use that as a little testimony. I'm no better than anybody else, but whenever I started really seeking and hearing what God was saying, then he spoke to me what Wendell was going to preach. He was... He was moving on his, on his people, if you'll listen to him. So. But this one is for us today, and I'm not going to be very long. So if, uh, while you're standing, if we'll go to uh, Proverbs 23 and 10. And while you're turning there, uh, thank you for allowing me to do this. Um, I don't take it lightly. I, I love being able to be used of God. That's the best thing that you can do in this life, I believe. Proverbs 23 and 10. Say amen if you're ready. Amen. amen. All right. It says this, remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done in this service prior to this moment. God, Lord, I know, God, that you have orchestrated a plan, Lord, and that we're following, Lord, right in that plan. God, I ask you to just touch my heart, Lord, touch every one of our hearts and our minds, God, Lord, that we can receive this word, Lord, into good soil, Lord, that it would do something for us today, God, that you could change us in some way and better us in some way, Lord. God, I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and I give you all the honor and the glory, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus name we pray in Jesus name we pray amen 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 all right thank you for standing you can be seated you can be seated today i'm going to talk to us for just a few minutes i promise i won't be long on this thought remove not the old landmark landmarks are defined in this way an object or a feature of a landscape that is easily seen and recognized from a distance, especially one that enables someone to establish their location, or an alternate definition is this, an event, discovery, or change marking an important stage or turning point in something. Landmarks are important, and everybody has them whether you realize it or not. 
driving down the road or, uh, you know, you, you have landmarks that you, you look for to keep you on the right path, whether it's like a big tree or a big rock or a house or a barn or a silo or a field with a bunch of cows in it. Whatever it is, whenever you're driving, you have landmarks that you recognize and you are assured that you are on the right path. And in the scripture, many times old landmarks were there to establish something. Oftentimes they were monuments that held more meaning than just giving directions. They would establish borders or represent something so that when you saw it, you were reminded of something that should never be forgotten. In other words, landmarks are not only there to remind you of where you are, but they will remind you of who you are. The second part of that verse says this, enter not into the fields of the fatherless. And oftentimes I find myself personally, whenever I'm reading through the Bible, then I'll hear or I'll read something or you'll hear something being preached in a scripture and it'll say, uh, remove not the old landmark. And that just, boom, that stands out. And then you read the next part and it's like, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. And that's so vague, but the other one is so specific that you oftentimes miss, you miss what that second part is saying and don't get how important that part is to the previous part says, remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless as if they go hand in hand. When you remove the landmark, you, from, from your life, you find yourself wandering and wondering, questioning things that should be set in stone. You find yourselves wandering and following in the footsteps of wanderers instead of following the footsteps of the father. You find yourself in the land of those who have removed the old landmarks from their lives and thus have removed the Father from their lives. There are many different paths that have been wandered past the border of the old landmarks, many different directions that are all just different routes that lead to the same destination and the same conclusion. Lost. Lost because you were living a life that the Father was not a part of. Do not remove the old landmark and find yourself in the land where the Father is not. We know from Psalm 23 that the Lord, our Father, is our shepherd. And He takes care of us, looks out for us, and provides for us, and protects us from threats that we cannot see nor cannot understand. There are landmarks that are set up in the field of the Father that act as borders. They show us what points we should not wander past where the shepherd does not reside, where his protection and his provision no longer exist. It's dangerous and unwise to remove those landmarks set up by the Father because without them, we like sheep will wander past the border, and find ourselves outside the protection of the Good Shepherd. Unfortunately, it's growing more and more popular every day to remove these old landmarks. There are places that this world is going that I am not comfortable following. And as the church of the living God, it's our duty to stay within the borders of these old landmarks and be that shining city on a hill. 
According to recent sociological studies, 10% of the world's population identify as atheist. 10%. And that might not sound like a big number until you remember that there are like 8 billion people on the planet. Then that number gets really, really big. People who, they, who convince themselves that God does not exist and there's some other explanation for our existence and the existence of the universe around us. You might wonder where I'm going, but I'm, I'm going to point out some landmarks that stand firm in the church of the living God that should not be removed, but are being removed readily outside of the church. Landmarks that are being just decimated and destroyed and mocked, but that are still true no matter how funny it is to them out there. It still stays true. Psalm 14 tells us that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And the world today has a bigger problem with the first ten words in the Bible than they do with every other verse in the book. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The world cannot bring themselves to understand that. They cannot bring themselves to believe that. And because of that, they have trouble believing anything that follows that. They tell themselves that instead of God speaking everything into existence, there was this big bang that happened and catapulted the universe into existence. There was nothing, and somehow nothing exploded and spit out all the stars and planets, and then galaxies and solar systems were formed by chance or the theory of evolution, which tells us that uh, on only one of these millions and billions of planets, life somehow evolved. They're angry because they've removed God from the equation and they're living fatherless and they're trying to explain this continuum of existence without a creator. Continuum is a kind of funny looking word. It's got like two U's back to back, but it's really simple. All it means is something has to come into existence at the same time. And in the reality of our universe, there are three things that have to come into existence at the same time. They have to. There's no other way that life can exist. This continuum is that time, space, and matter all have to come into existence at the same instance. I mean, if you have matter and no space, where do you put it? And if you have space and no time, when do you put it? And if there's no matter but you have time, what are you keeping track of? They all have to come into existence at the same moment. And these... Atheists, these people who call themselves agnostic and don't want to believe those first ten words in the Bible, they rack their brains searching for a way for this to happen with no God. But you and I, we have an old landmark that solves this little riddle in ten words. In the beginning, time, God created the heaven, space, and the earth, matter. Ten words. He answered the world's biggest complicated question. That's as simple as it gets. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's like whenever people take this book, or well, God is in that book, so I'll use something else. It's like they take this pen and they say, well, this pen had to somehow find a way to come into existence all by itself. The person who made this pen is not somewhere inside this pen crawling around doing stuff. 
the person who made this pen is outside of the pen. And people are trying to explain God within the boundaries of the pen. And if God is bound by space, time, and matter, then he's not God. If you're trying to explain God with something that's, he's, that he should be bound by, you're trying to explain the wrong God. God is not within and bound by the things that we're bound by. And people are limiting themselves because they have removed something that is vital to our existence. And when you remove it, you wander and sound stupid. And that's the nicest way that I can put it. I love people, but they come up with some crazy stuff. (laughs) Sorry. God's answer to the world's most complicated question is simply me. I did it. I made you. I made everything. Without me, there was nothing made. I made it all by myself. Me. If you can believe those ten words, you can believe everything that comes after them. There is nothing more difficult to believe in that word than those first ten words. Nothing. If you can believe that God spoke into nothing and created everything that is in this beautiful world that you and I can see in the billions of galaxies and stars that we don't even know how many there are, then you can believe that he died for your sins. If you can believe that he spoke the universe into existence, you can believe that you ought to stay holy. You can believe the words that are in this book just because they're in this book if you can believe that he made everything. That's your basis for everything. If you can believe those ten words, everything else, you should have enough faith to believe it. And we do, and that's why we're blessed. Here's, here's the kicker, though. Not only is God real, but He really, truly, and deeply loves you. And this is a landmark that people erase from their lives. The people out there, the 90% who do believe in God, who think that he just wound us up and set us loose, they're misunderstanding our God. He loves you. And it is so easy to look around at all the evil that is in this world and condemn people. It's way too easy to just write it off as people are evil, people are cruel, people make poor choices, It's easy to say that from the outside looking in and forget that God loves their soul. Yes, they are rough, but God still loves them. They're not so evil that they cannot repent. They aren't so cruel that they can't have their sins washed away just like I did. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world for them just the same as it was for us. His arm is not short that it cannot reach, and his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. Mercy is real. Forgiveness is real. It's still new every morning. It still works for them just like it worked for me. It hasn't run out. It's not running dry. Mercy is still good enough. It can handle all of their mistakes. It can handle all of our mistakes. It will sustain you just like it will sustain them. Do not forget that God still loves us. He loves us, and He loves them, and He will love them forevermore, no matter what decisions they have made. And that applies to us today. If you're in here and you made some poor choices, it don't matter how bad they are. God is, His mercy is still enough. 
His love is still enough. It didn't run dry. He's not losing his love for us. He's not growing impatient. He's patient and he's long-suffering. He's just not tolerant. And he's given us a way of escape. While we're talking about people who are lost and prodigals, let me tell you something too. Pentecost happened. That's another landmark that we've got to believe in this church. That Pentecost happened, it is happening right now, and it will keep on happening until that trumpet sounds and calls us into the sky. It wasn't just for the 120 in the upper room. It wasn't just for the 3,000 souls that were added to the church that day. It wasn't just for the first generation New Testament apostolic Pentecostal church. It's for me, it's for you, it's for your children and your children's children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's for them. Somebody, somewhere, right now is receiving the Holy Ghost for the very first time by the evidence of speaking in tongues. Somebody is having their sins washed away in a watery grave. Somebody is falling on their knees in repentance. Somebody's name is being written down in the Lamb's book of life right now. Right now. Somebody's soul is being saved and all of heaven rejoices at one who comes to repentance. How much more should we rejoice knowing that Pentecost is being poured out all over this globe? Pentecost is not running dry. It didn't run out at 120 and 3,000 and however many more has come since that day. Pentecost still works. The Holy Ghost still works. And it don't stop there either. I promise you. The Holy Ghost is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he said he'd be with us even to the end of the world. The Holy Ghost prays on our behalf makes intercession for the body. It should be a part of our lives every day, every week, every year until you go on to your reward. He will lead you through the Spirit. You can or you cannot live a holy life without the Spirit. You cannot walk in the power and authority of the Holy Ghost without the Spirit. You cannot walk right. You cannot talk right. You cannot live right. You can't witness right. You can't preach right. You can't love right without the Spirit in your life. If Jesus didn't want his 11 disciples who followed him and learned from him personally for the past three and a half years, if he didn't want them leaving Jerusalem and going to the uttermost part of the earth until they were filled and walking in the Holy Ghost, he doesn't want anything different for us. If he didn't think that they could handle all of the trials that will come their way without the Holy Ghost, then he didn't think we could handle the trials and tribulations that come without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a part of our lives. He knew that they wouldn't be able to do what they needed to do without the Holy Ghost in the same way he knows we can't either. Pentecost has got to be a part of our lives every single day. Don't remove that landmark. I promise you, if you start walking through this life every day without the Holy Ghost, you'll wander into the fields of the fatherless much sooner than you might think you will. God will direct you But you have got to stay behind his borders. And it's not a burden to stay behind his borders. If you understand what the Holy Ghost is, hmm, it's not something that you have to look at and say, Oh, I I have to to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not something that you're burdened with. It's something that you get to receive. It's a gift of the Holy Ghost. 
is something that is good for you. Mm. Knowing that God is real is good for you. Knowing that you've got somebody in your corner, knowing that you've got somebody like Wendell Preach Wednesday night to push you out into the ring whenever you feel tired, knowing that you've got somebody like that in your life who won't grow weary, that will pick you up and drag you along the way. He will help you along the way through the Holy Ghost. These things are good for us. They will benefit us. It's not a burden. The grass is not greener on the other side, I promise. I had never been over there, and I don't want to go over there because it's dirty grass. <laughs> the father takes good care of his pasture. He takes good care of his sheep. He keeps the grass cut nice. He keeps the fences clean. He keeps the food in the stables. He keeps the fire in the stables to keep us warm. He takes care of his sheep. And that provision is not on the other side of those borders. That provision is not there. He loves you. He loves the people who are outside of there. And he'll leave the 99 in that safe fence to go and find that one who's walked away. But that doesn't mean that we ought to follow after and go out there into the middle of the wilderness and stuff and stay out there. We've got to stay within the borders. Mm. I'm going to stay right here on my notes before I get distracted. I told you I wasn't going to be long. And the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost leads, leads me to my final landmark for today. The Holy Ghost will lead you in a holy lifestyle. It will show you holiness and teach it to you in the scripture. Holiness is a landmark that cannot be removed. Be holy, for I am holy. Last time I checked, holiness still has a name, and it is Jesus. That tells me that holiness is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Holiness does not change with the culture. What was holy for Moses and the children of Israel is holy right now. What was holy for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is holy right now. What was holy for David is still holy right now. What was holy for the disciples is holy right now. What was holy for the New Testament church is still holy right now. The styles might change through the years, but modesty does not change. Yes, holiness starts on the inside, but just because... It is uh, inconvenient doesn't mean that holiness on the outward appearance gets thrown to the side. Men still need to act like men. Ladies still need to act like ladies. Men still need to like women. And women still need to like men. Just because it's accepted in schools and campuses and pretty much all over the world right now does not mean that homosexuality is okay. There are things in this world that the world is tolerating that we cannot be a part of. It's sin. It'll always be sin, no matter how people promote it. And the reason that these things are allowed to be promoted is because of the first landmark that we talked about today. They have convinced themselves that God is no longer real. And whenever God leaves, moral value leaves. We have intrinsic moral values instilled in us. It's in our nature. I know that we're born into sin, but we're made in his image. And God made us with morals. And whenever you remove the morals, where you remove God from your life, you remove the existence of God from your life, you remove the basis for all of your morals. All of our morals are based around a good, holy God. And you take that center away and you start finding anything and everything to fill that center and base your morals on. 
And that's why these things are becoming okay. It's not long ago that they removed prayer from schools. And now all this stuff is being okay in schools. I read just the other day, this is my last tangent, I promise. I work in a newspaper shop. I, I print papers and stuff like that. I read an article that's coming up this year in Warner Robins County School, or private school, Warner Robins High School. Their band, their football band team, their halftime show is a tribute to the Egyptian sun god, Ra. They will be dancing and walking like Egyptians, playing Egyptian music that was played to honor this pagan sun god. You know why that's happening? Because God was removed from schools. God was removed, and it's not long after God gets removed that people start trying to fill it up with other things. It's not long after God gets removed from the picture that other gods start making themselves known for people to worship. Somebody's going to get worshipped. And if you take the one true God away, be careful what you worship. I tell you right now, if I was still in school and my band started playing music like that, I'd be out. Homeschool me. Holiness does not change. And you, young people, just because it's accepted in schools and campuses does not mean that you have to accept it. Don't don't get so caught up. I, I believe that we ought to pay attention to the times. I believe that we ought to pay attention to what's going on because the times will reveal where you are. In God's timeline. There are prophecies that are in that book that are being fulfilled every day. I believe we ought to pay attention to what's happening around us in the world. But don't get so caught up in politics and this tolerance movement that you forget where your landmarks are. You will be weird for not accepting today's definition of normal. But we are still a peculiar people. We were not designed to be normal. You will look like an outcast for not wanting to be a part of things that this culture is wanting to be a part of. And we can love the people in this world, but we will never line up with the standards or lack of standards that this world has. We're not built the same way. We were born again. I heard a very wise person say the other day, they're talking about all these people who were saying, I was born this way. This is who I am. I was born like this. You know what? Maybe you were. Maybe you were. We were all shaping in iniquity. We were all born into sin. Maybe you were born into an environment that shaped you that way, and that's the only thing you remember. That's why we were born again. We had to be born again, and except you are born of the water and of the Spirit, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We've got to love those people who believe that they were born that way. We've got to love those people who believe completely different than we believe. We've got to love those people who laugh at the way that we believe because who else is going to lead them to heaven? if not the ones that they're laughing at. 
If we turn our backs on them, no one is going to reach them. Mm. Holiness, I'm going to keep on going. Holiness will separate you, but that does not make it a burden. It will keep you safe. It will keep you healthy. It will keep you blessed. And most importantly, it will keep your name written in the book of life when the time comes for that heavenly roll call. You can come on to the music. That's the point of all of these old landmarks, these borders. There is a life after this one. And your choices in this life will determine your destination in the next one. People say all the time it's a popular thing now that, that your, your works don't matter, that your, the things that you do don't matter as long as you accept God into your heart. And you know what? They're on the right track. God bless them. You do have to let God into your heart. But you won't show me in here where your choices don't matter. It's not in there. Your choices will determine your location. There are consequences to every single thing that you do in this life, whether those consequences are good or bad. We all have to answer for what we've done. And in a world that's becoming so loose in its standards with its relative mindset and lack of moral value for right and wrong, it's more important right now than it has ever been for our landmarks to be held up high. We'll be mocked for holding on to these old-fashioned morals, but our morals must be His morals. Our laws must be His laws. Our statutes must be His statutes. The more the world smirks at the Word of God, the more important it is for us to stay founded in it. These events and monumental scriptures that, that we talked about today, they stand tall to keep your attention and keep you in the fields of the Father. They are our landmarks. We cannot remove them or our lives will wander into the fields of the fatherless. We don't want to wander into a field where there is no father. We must cling to the knowledge that He is and that He is for us. We must cling to mercy and forgiveness, not just for ourselves, but those who judge us for the life we live. Those who are living in sin and in need of that saving grace, we must keep mercy and forgiveness in the front of our minds or we'll never be able to help them. We must cling to the Holy Ghost now more than ever before because in the midst of all the chaos and confusion that this world has to offer, He is our anchor, He's our comfort, He's our intercessor, He's our guide to the promised land, and especially today in the blurred moral lines, we must cling to holiness. It's still just important today as it was whenever He commanded us to be holy in the Old Testament. This word is our landmark. You can stand with me today. I'm coming to a close. This word is our landmark. This, the cross is our landmark and everything that comes with it. The mercy that comes with it, the love that comes with it, the forgiveness that comes with it, the repentance and the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost that comes with it, the burden or the, the weight of holiness on your life that comes with the cross those are our landmarks. Everything that comes with that book and everything that comes with the cross is our landmark. And I only touched on a few today because those are big ones right now that are trying to be removed. But today, what I would ask of you 
is that we would come down and we would find a place to pray whenever we opened up this altar. And that we would reestablish your location with God because that's what these landmarks do is they help you establish where you stand. I wish that you would take those landmarks that we talked about, the landmarks that are in the Word, the landmarks that tug on your heart whenever you know you've walked past them. I wish that we would come down to this altar and put those landmarks right before us because what I feel like in the Holy Ghost is that some people might have wandered past the landmark and don't see it anymore. And mercy today is showing you that landmark. Mercy today is showing you where the landmarks are. So as I open up this altar today, I wish that we would, as a group, as a congregation, that we would come down to this altar and we would put those landmarks ever before us and that He could stir up our our pure minds by way of remembrance, remembering where we are and where we're supposed to be. He loves you and He'll lead you and teach you, but you got to stay where He is. Let's lift up our hands and pray to Him today. Thank you, God. On, there's still places in the altar. There's open spots. Come find your place. How long has it been since you knelt before the Lord? The Lord's in this house to do something great today. He said, if you can believe those first three words, those first ten words, in the beginning, God. Sounds a lot like what Jesus said when he told his disciples, simply have faith in God. If you can believe that, the rest of it will fall in line. You can come into this altar. You can get a healing in this place today. You can get deliverance in this house today. Come on, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Come on, saints, come on. Pull in close to these altars today. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in this altar. While you're praying, lay your hands on somebody. That's one of those landmarks. We believe in laying hands on somebody and praying for them. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Ghost lead you in this altar service. Lift your voices and pray. Speak in tongues. That's one of those landmarks. If you need the Holy Ghost, if you need to be born again, that's one of those landmarks. It's for you today. Hallelujah.
people praying in the altars for the Holy Ghost as people praying for healings. I wish I could find somebody that had a little faith that could come join up with them and lay their hands on them. Come on, somebody that believes in those landmarks that could, could pray and praise and worship the Lord. Could speak of less than somebody's life. Come on. Come on, we got children praying in the altar. Come on, grown-ups, come lay your hands on them and pray for them. Been baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, you've been baptized in Jesus' name.
tell you, the Spirit of the Lord's moving. Keep praying as people praying for the Holy Ghost and praying for different things. But he mentioned there's so many things that are like landmarks in our walk with God. And one is we believe in healing. And I know we've prayed for people today, but if you need a touch in your body, I want you to come, come down to the front today. If you need a touch today, if you need God to heal your body today, come on, somebody. I need some people that's got faith, come on, to come and stand in. If it's been long enough, you like, hey, if you're just like, you know what, it's been long enough. I'm tired of dealing with this. I know a healer. I know a healer today. Come on, somebody. All right. Now, there's a bunch of people come up, so I don't know who's praying or who's needing to heal. If you, if you come up for a touch, raise your hand. All right. You see, look around. Keep your hands up. You see the ones that's got their hands up? Somebody that's ready to pray, get near them and lay your hands on them. We're going to pray a prayer of faith together. And we don't even have to. Listen, we're thankful, Lord, for healing. And we're going to speak healing. If you know their name, who you're talking to, you just pray it like this. You say their name and say, they shall be healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Come on, start praying a prayer of faith over them right now. Speak it. Speak a word of faith. They shall be healed.
fix a car, he'll fix a body.
for one more moment. Would everybody stretch your hands this way to this side of the building? Let's pray for this young man that's praying right now. That God will give him everything he's got for him right now. Come on, stretch your hands this way. Pray for him right now. God would bless him and give him everything he's desiring today. If you came up for prayer, if you, got, if you asked prayer, if we prayed for you for healing in your body, I want you to put your hand on your chest and I want you to speak a word of faith over yourself and say, I am healed in the name of Jesus. Hey, there is nothing wrong with claiming that healing today. I am healed in the name of Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood says she felt within herself. Lord, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Now give him a hand clap and a shout of praise at this house. Take up that bed and walk. I'm going to be better. I'm only looking forward to get better. I'm only looking forward to be different. I'm only looking for new things. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. They can continue praying with this young man if you need to leave today. We'll see you at prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, praying for our prodigals. Be here. We're going to have a great time. God bless you. Be safe today. Stay and pray as long as you need to. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.